everyone and welcome back to the EdTech Classroom podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's learn and grow together as 21st century educators. Today you'll be joining me and Greg Mitleider as we discuss computer science education, project-based learning, and so much more. Greg is a digital learning expert and an EdTech consultant who has worked with Harvard faculty to launch blended on-campus and online computer science courses, including CS50 for Lawyers. Previously, he was a K-12 computer science teacher, and he brings expertise in translating classroom teaching to high-quality online courses. He completed his master's in technology innovation and education at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and holds a K-12 business computer and information technology certification from St. Vincent University, as well as a BS in finance from the California University of Pennsylvania. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm sitting here on Zoom with my friend and computer science expert, Greg Mitleider. And I already know that we're in for a treat today. Greg has so much wisdom to share and is bringing so many innovative ideas to the field of education. Greg, thank you so much for joining me on the EdTech Classroom podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me, I appreciate it. This is, um, uh, it's gonna be a great, great little session we're gonna have here. And um, you know, you and I have kind of been talking off, off camera about some things, so I'm kind of excited to, to take a dive. Yeah, I'm excited to dive right in too. I know that you have um, so much wonderful insight to share. Um, so I kind of want to just launch right in, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your journey to the start of your career and into this ed tech computer science space? Yeah, um, so I've, I've had like a really interesting um, kind of like pathway to get to where I am now. There's been a lot of twists and turns, but um, I actually started my career in finance and had worked for a number of years in industry and I really enjoyed it. And I was, I, I like to think that I was successful at it. Um, but there just came a point where I kind of like took a, took a long view shot of myself as to what I was doing, work-life balance, things of that nature. And my wife, has been a teacher ever since I met her. So we were kind of like living both of those lives. I, I was working, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. She was being a teacher and, and I kind of had an internal discussion with myself when the market crashed as to, you know, do I really want to go back into this industry with all the unknowns and all the not so fun things that were happening. And I kind of like thought about the, the things of my career that I enjoyed the most. And for some reason, just anywhere that I've ever worked, I've always found myself, like I'm very inquisitive and I, I like to, I like to seek things out on my own and learn as much as I can um, about like what I'm doing. So if I'm in sales, I want to know about everything that I'm selling and whatnot. So um, what I found out is that like the, the things that I enjoy the most in my work were kind of like the management side of things. So when I broke down management, I kind of figured out that it was the educational portion of management. So that's where I decided, you know, that I was going to leave industry and I wanted to go into education. And initially I wanted to teach 
like finance and law, things that I was very familiar with. But I live in the state of Pennsylvania. And in the state of Pennsylvania, the certification that allows you to teach business-related topics, you know, like finance, um, economic or not economics, but like accounting, things like that. It also includes computer science. And it's impossible to find a teaching job in Pennsylvania. So I was applying, hopefully applying for these finance positions, positions, but the only available job at the time was to teach seventh graders Microsoft Word. So it was a, it was a pretty interesting um, way to go. I kind of envisioned myself as being this high school teacher teaching these, you know, like highly advanced topics. And I ended up teaching in a middle school, Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Microsoft Office Suite. So, but it ended up working out really well. But that's kind of like how I got into education in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. It's really interesting to me when I hear about people's career paths into uh, either into education, but I think more specifically in, um, you know, teaching technology courses, people seem to have these really um, sort of roundabout career paths, which I find very interesting. I think a lot of people, their whole lives, they know that they want to be a teacher. You know, you'll hear I've, I had friends in middle school who knew that they wanted to be teachers and they're teachers today. Um, but I think what's really interesting about teaching technology and the edtech space in general is that a lot of people come into it from a variety of different backgrounds. Um, so it's really interesting for me to hear that you, you know, started off in finance, then you thought you maybe wanted to teach, you know, economics or finance or law, and then you ended up, um, you know, going into computer science. So it's, it's neat for me to hear, um, hear your, your background, and I know our, our listeners are um, going to be excited to hear that as well. Um, you know, in general, I'm just really excited to be having you on the show today because of your expertise in computer science, obviously, um, and I think that it, as a K-5 through STEM teacher myself, I feel like we have a lot, um, a lot in common. We have a lot of similar passions and interests. Um, but that being said, I think that not all of our listeners today are super familiar with computer science. You know, we have listeners who uh, are, uh, you know, elementary school teachers. We have listeners who are high school teachers, high school English teachers, librarians, school admin. Um, so I, I'd love if you could talk a little bit about how you were able to bring computer science education to the school that you taught at. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of where things get pretty interesting. Um, at least in, 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 in <laughs> I like to think it's interesting. I, I would hope that the, the viewers do as well. <laughs> but sure no, so <laughs> to, to backpedal a little bit, you, you know, you're absolutely right. So I, I think a lot of times that I wish I would have gone into education right out of college, but at the same rate, I don't think that if, had I, had I done that, I don't believe that I would have provided the same experience for my, my students as I'm able to now because of, you know, all the things that I've had access to and the, just the experience that I have working outside of the classroom, which I bring into the classroom. Um, you know, I, I kind of, in general, like aside from teaching computer science, I see my students just as future productive members of society. So my main goal in education, whether it's computer science or whether it's building those relationships with the students that go beyond just the curriculum, you know, the whole point of it is to give them as much knowledge as I possibly can about just being a productive member of society when they get older. So that's, that's, uh, so again, like I, as much as I would think, oh, it would have been great to be going to education right out of the gate. Like I, I don't think I would, I, I absolutely know that I wouldn't have had the same experience that I had now. And to get back on track as to kind of where this all came from, 
you know, when, when I, when I had gone into teaching the, the Microsoft office suite with the seventh graders, I did that for a year and it was, you know, it was interesting as my first go at, at teaching and, but I was extremely fortunate that the people that I worked with were just, they're very supportive and they're very proactive and they kind of wanted to do different things. And me being new to education, I just didn't really, um, all that my experience was what was in front of my face for that year. So uh, we kind of like poked and prodded and decided like, what can we do to revamp this program? Um, you know, the office suite did fall into computer science within the standards of what we were teaching. And then one day I was, I was at my desk and I was teaching Microsoft Excel. And one of my colleagues walks into the room and he says, You're, you gotta, you gotta check this out. And he goes over to my desk and he pulls up the MIT Scratch program, which if not familiar, it's a block-based language that's self-contained in its own environment. And it's just a great tool to teach younger students how to, um, how to get the basics of programming, like developing scripts and, and loops and functions and things like that. But he and I stood there while, while my students were working and we played for a couple of minutes with it. And then I just told my students, I said, hey, um, you know, stop what you're doing and go to this website and, you know, start playing around. So the students did and, and they were all excited and they left for the day. And I went home and I came back the next day and that same group of students, when they arrived to class, they said, hey, can we do that thing that we did yesterday? And I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> what, what, what thing is that? And it was the scratch program. So they were, they were all about it. So I let them do it the next day and then the next day. And, and you know, I, I tell everybody that it was great experience for about two weeks. And then my colleague and I were thinking about it. We're like, man, I'm probably gonna get fired over this because I'm not teaching my curriculum. So <laughs> I like, luckily, luckily the, uh, we had gone down and talked to the principal and just to kind of cover our bases and, and they just got super excited about it. And they were, they were all about, bringing it in. So they let us create, we had an emergency board meeting to change our curriculum. We did all that fun stuff. And I ended up teaching just that for the rest of the year. So this is probably like November-ish maybe. So we taught, we taught the scratch program for the rest of the year. And where the twist comes is that at the time, scratch itself didn't have any curriculum. So I actually reached out to the, the scratch team at MIT and they responded to me. I essentially asked them, do you have, we have, we found this tool of yours. It's fantastic. Our students love it. Do you have any curriculum? And they responded back. And this is probably 2014. And at the time they kind of said, you know, we were still developing things. We've got a lot of good stuff in the works, but there's a proven program that's out there now. It's called CS50 over at Harvard and a, a gentleman by the name of uh, David Malin. He's the professor of that course. So I actually reached out to um, Professor Malin and asked him the same question. I said, you know, I like, found this program. I reached out to MIT. They highly recommend it. And I see that you do have curriculum for this. What are your suggestions? And at the time, I, I didn't know this. So anybody that's not familiar, the, the CS50 course, it stands for Computer Science 50, was um, it's, it's currently taught at, the, at Harvard University. And it's the undergraduate course for introduction to computer science. And it's the most famous course on campus. It generally gets about 800 students or a little bit more than 800 students. So roughly a third of the students that go through Harvard take the course. Um, maybe the numbers have gotten bigger since I've been there. I'm not sure, but, but it also has an offering on edX and there's over a million students enrolled perpetually 
on the edX program. So this is a huge course. And after reaching out to Professor Malin, I kind of took a dive and that's when I got, I personally got really excited about computer science and I had taken courses in my undergrad, uh, a couple programming courses, but now it was kind of full throttle and I was just soaking up everything I possibly could. I was taking uh, courses at the local college. I was just finding any online resources I could. And what that ended up happening after there, after that was um, Professor Malin and his team were actually in the, in the process of creating a high school adaptation of the CS50 course. So they were taking all the materials and content that were offered to the undergraduates and they were gonna offer it to high school students. And because I was in this process, they, they asked me, they said, hey, this is, this is what we're doing. We're looking for like a pilot group of teachers to bring this to their school districts and teach the AP course, which falls in line with the computer science principles AP course, which was gonna be brand new, I think for the 2016 year. So all of this work that was being done by Professor Malin and his team was being done in preparation for the, I believe it was the 2016 rollout. And I was extremely fortunate to have been a part of that pilot class. And that's kind of where things took off. I just worked with them. Um, I brought the CS50 contents into my classroom and I actually moved from seventh grade to the eighth grade for the next year. And what we did was we kept, we kept the seventh grade content the same. So the, when I moved to the eighth grade, the teacher that backfilled my seventh grade position continued to teach scratch. So now we took the Microsoft office suite off the table for seventh grade, taught scratch at seventh grade. And then we actually taught like code.org and things in sixth grade. So now we're starting to build out this, this program completely just changing the district and what I ultimately did is I didn't teach the full CS50 content because obviously it's the rigor um, is more designed towards high school students, probably 11th grade, 12th grade. Um, but I brought a lot of the principles down to my eighth graders to just build that foundation for when they move into the high school. And it ended up just like taking off like wildfire because our high school had offered computer science courses at the high school level. Um, I believe they, you know, they had the Java APA course, they had some Oracle courses and a web design course. These were generally courses that were taken by upperclassmen, uh, not necessarily freshmen or sophomores. And believe it or not, that, that year that I taught eighth grade, the students that went on to ninth grade that had my, my foundations course, they, they all took the upper level courses as freshmen and just blew it out of the water. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so like the, the overarching idea here is like, A, you know, we were just super excited to bring these programs in. But what we were really finding is that, you know, computer science is, it's not a matter of whether it's difficult to learn, it's a matter of when you're introduced to it. So we found that we were teaching students at younger levels, just material that maybe a few months before people would have said, you could never do that. Would, that's not possible. And we kept pushing. So the next year, the, the content went down a little bit further, um, fifth grade. And I think the last, I, I left the, I left the district in 2017 and I'll tell you about that in a minute or two. But, um, after I left, I believe they 
were teaching scratch to maybe the third grade wow. and then kind of starting that process from there. So it's incredible. And, and that's kind of why, like, um, you know, I'm just, I'm a person that's always looking to move forward and do bigger and better things. So when I see something like that happen, where just the whole district has an opportunity to take advantage of learning something new and different and kind of revamping, because I mean, you, you, you're in computer science as well. Could you imagine if you could go back in time and have access to something like scratch when you were in third grade, like, could you imagine where you'd be right now? <laughs> I think about that all of the time. Like even when I'm teaching my kindergartners, like unplugged coding or, you know, pre-reader robotics, I think all the time how incredible it would be to have had um, that opportunity. I, I wasn't introduced to computer science until I was in college, which I think is um, even younger than a lot of um, teachers who end up, going into elementary STEM and computer science. Um, Cause I think at, I think at a lot of schools, instead of hiring, um, you know, teachers who have experience or background in STEM, um, there are existing classroom teachers who then sort of get pushed into these STEM roles who are just, you know, sort of known for incorporating technology in their classroom. So I feel fortunate that I was able to take computer science classes in college, but um, it would be, it would have been very incredible to be able to take, um, you know, a scratch class in third grade. <laughs> Yeah, and we, um, at the, the university course, every semester that it's offered in the fall, Professor Malin still has a, runs a poll question of, you know, because every, everybody feels like everybody else is a master at computer science and they're the ones that, that, you know, are new to it. And so he runs a poll of, you know, what kind of experience do you have in high school? And it turns out generally about 70% of students, even, even at Harvard undergrad, have never taken a computer science course prior to um, coming into college. And statistically, you know, if you go out and you look at the code.orgs and the uh, other sites like that to provide this information, you know, the theory, the psychological theory behind the statistics of so many students that take it in middle school, take it in high school, and then, you know, the drop-off the drop off between middle school to high school and then the further drop off from high school to college is that, you know, when you're in middle school, grades aren't really, I don't want to say they're, they're not important, but it's kind of like when you, when you get to high school, you just start fresh. So middle school is a great place to introduce these things because the students are still exploring. They're still figuring these things out because if students don't have computer science, by the time they go to the high school, then when they're in the high school, it's real deal. GPAs matter, whether or not you get into college is based on those, those metrics. So, um, so students are going to avoid taking courses that they don't think they're going to do well. And if they're exploratory, you know, obviously like students forever have always wanted to take like, um, you know, AP math statistics or, or physics or things like that. But if you really think about it, why is that? It's because students have had access to math courses all their life. And these are just extensions of that. They already understand the basic fundamentals of mathematics and they go on to take these advanced math courses. But in computer science, if you've seen zero computer science when you're in high school, you would probably opt to take an AP physics course over an introductory computer science course because of the fear of bringing down your GPA. And then whenever you go into college, it's even worse because now you're kind of thinking like, well, this would affect my ability to get a job. So do I really want to roll the dice on that? So our whole process, and, and this is kind of like what I'm doing today, you know, a lot of the work that I do, is that the younger that you can introduce this to students, then 
will hopefully just push the entire um, the bar for everybody so that that 70% of students that are coming into college saying that they've never had computer science education, hopefully we can get that down to, you know, 20%, 10%. Cause there's always going to be like some restriction or reason why folks can't uh, barriers to access, but you know, those that, that do have the ability for access, we, uh, we just have to get it to them so that we can start shifting all these lines. But yeah, um, so that's kind of what we found as far as like offering it at middle school and how, how we hope that it affects later grades. Now where, where my transition happened, I told you I left the school district that I was in, um, through the work that I was doing with the CS50 team, I kind of just, um, they, they were fantastic to me. They treated me very well. And um, the things that we were doing at our school were great. And it just, it became like a, a really good relationship. So I ended up um, traveling with them for, you know, I mentioned that we had this pilot class of, of educators that did the first year of the AP course, the high school adapted course. And for that, we actually, that group of pilot educators, we went and had a, like a week long um, professional development training out in Redmond, Washington. So I was there as a, as on Microsoft's campus, I was there as a participant. And then, you know, fast forward two years of my simply working with the Harvard team in general, um, you know, eventually they, they asked me to take a step up. And, and over the summertime, you know, because I was a teacher, I had summer off, they said, hey, you remember how we did the um, professional development session in Redmond? We're going to do one in San Diego. Would you like to come out as a CS50 representative of the university? And of course, like I, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I, you know, I had an opportunity to go out and um, be on the other side of the fence and help the educators as opposed to be being one of them that were in there. And that, that's really what changed my life because teaching in a classroom is fantastic. And I still do today in some form. Um, we can talk about that later if you like, but um, <laughs> So the idea of teaching in a classroom and you're, you're teaching, you know, 20, 25 students at a time is wonderful and you love that opportunity, but to then have the opportunity of teaching the teachers who are going to go out and each teach those 20 students five times a day. So now it's just, it's such a cool thing to, to see, you know, if, if you put me in front of a hundred educators to know the thousands of students that are going to be impacted by that. And I'm not saying that, you know, that when I stand up there and talk that it's, it's me directly that's doing it, but I like being a part of the process. You know, obviously like there's a great team. Anytime that I traveled with the CS50 team, everybody there is fantastic and um, brings their own thing to the table, but it's just being a part of that process is just, it was again, life-changing. And that's, that's what drove me to be where I'm at today, where um, I did things like that. I traveled with the team in my spare time. And then eventually I think it was 2000, middle of 2017, they essentially just asked me to come work full time. And I left my position teaching at the middle school and I moved to Cambridge and I worked on campus with the CS50 team at Harvard for two years. That's awesome. I think what you're saying about coaching teachers is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, you know, I am, my, my role at my school is I'm, you know, 
half ed tech coach where I work closely with teachers, you know, helping them embed technology in the curriculum. And then the other half, um, I'm, you know, a K through five STEM teacher. And so I think I, I love teaching. I love working with students in my classroom. And I'm so excited by the possibility of being able to help other teachers incorporate these really exciting new innovative ideas in their classroom. Uh, and in like you're saying, it is a really neat experience to be a part of that process. I think that that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is to be able to connect teachers who are listening right now to educators like you who are sort of acting as, um, you know, coaches and people that they can, um, you know, collaborate with and look up to uh, in terms of the different exciting things that they're doing in the field of education. Um, so it's neat to hear you say that that's, that's something that you really enjoyed about, uh, about that role. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I still do. You know, I still have that opportunity, so it's great. Um, which, speaking of, could you talk a little bit about all of the projects that you're working on right now? Because um, I just think that you're up to some pretty amazing things. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm, um, I, I am, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. Um, I, every day I wake up, I kind of think like, wow, this is, this is pretty crazy. I get to do some cool stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, so I, I worked with the, the team at the university for, for two years. And while I was there, I, I was actually, um, it's very fortunate, fortunate to get accepted into the graduate school of education where you and I had taken some classes together and graduated together. Um, but one of the courses that I took there, uh, Professor John Richards taught a, an entrepreneurship course. And um, it was the first time that I've ever really seen, like I had taken entrepreneurship courses in undergrad because as I said, my background's in finance. So I, I do have a degree in finance. But it was a really interesting take on applying the entrepreneurial aspect to education. And I'd never really seen that firsthand. And that opened my eyes and in and, and, um, John Richards' course, he had a course in the, in the fall and then a course in the spring. And the course in the fall was kind of just laying the groundwork for how entrepreneurship works in that space and in the, in the ed tech space. And then the course in the spring, we had actually partnered up with corporations and like ed tech startups and we we're doing consulting work and for them. And that's where it really opened up my eyes to think like, wow, we could do some cool stuff here. And there's a, there's a big reach. And since then, you know, I've been consistently consulting with ed tech companies outside of, um, outside of the university. So that's kind of, that's a part of what I do today. So I work with a lot of cool companies that are bringing new products to the table, um, that are bringing new curriculum to the table and the space where they want to operate and this, this is unique to computer science, I believe, is that you have two sides of the computer science application as it applies to like education because sometimes you get folks that are just absolutely brilliant and they come up with a product or something and they say, I wanna use this for education. But then the educator side of me looks at it and is like, yes, this is absolutely a brilliant product but I don't see any educational value or it needs to be tweaked this way, or we could do this because, um, and, and that's kind of like where I try to help, um, 
bridge the gap for a lot of these companies. So I, some of the things that I'll do is, is folks will come to me with a product and say, would this work in a classroom? Or they'll say, how would we market this? Or who would we market this to? Um, and then there are some companies that really have everything together. And, you know, I'm really impressed with, you know, a colleague of ours, Andrew, um, you know, he's, he's working with a company called Brainco and they're doing some exciting things. Like I've, I've worked with their company in the past. Um, I still do. I still talk with them often, but like some of the technologies they're coming out with, it's kind of like the perfect blend of technology as it's applied to education. And they also have physical products. Um, if anybody's not familiar with Brainco, you know, look them up, but a lot of the work they're doing pushes even the computer science out of the computer science classroom and it translates into the actual science classroom a lot of times. Uh, they're doing things with, um, with prosthetics and wearables like headbands and virtual reality and things of that nature. Um, so that's part of what I get to do. And another part of what I'm doing is something that, that kind of we have a shared interest in, which is project-based learning. And I've been working to develop some courses that we've actually deployed. Um, historically, whenever I had learned computer science in the past, through an institution like you know college or whatnot, um, or even when I talk with other educators in the high school space, it seems like a lot of times computer science is being taught for the purpose of teaching computer science. For example, like this is the language of C, okay, learn C, or I'm gonna teach you Java, learn Java. But I never really saw, like, I think that's maybe what's not appealing to a lot of folks because you don't really see the big picture of what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? So I spent a lot of time while I was at the university and then now we're applying this to come up with interesting ways to teach computer science. So the courses that we're developing now, like, for example, we, we created one that was that's um, coding for entrepreneurs. And this is kind of a, a take from... John Richards' class, but we're actually applying um, a coding backbone to it aside from just talking about the, the, um, the sales and the corporation building side of it. And what we have done, I work with a, a group of folks in Hawaii and we have access to a high school out there and we brought in these high school students and, and we taught this coding for entrepreneurs course. So we had access, we, we actually, like we hyped it up and we, we, did a, we did a really good job hyping it. We, we were scared that we were going to get less than 10 students, and we ended up having 52 and a wait list. Wow, and that's awesome. It, yeah. So, um, so we ended up having 52 students, and it, and it was really cool. But what we did is rather than bring the students together and say, okay, let me teach you how to build a website or let me teach you how to code, we first posed the question of, like, what, do you, what would you want to do? If you were an entrepreneur, what would, would you want to create a service, an app, a website, um, you know, a, a product, like a hardware product? What would you want to do? And we kind of, like, brainstormed on that for a little bit. And then we took these students, and then we, we kind of pushed them in a direction in which they want to go to do these things. So if students wanted to build something um, web-based, we would show them how to build websites or you know, then take it, obviously like we're not turning them into these master whiz coders overnight, but like we're at least laying the groundwork. And it was wildly successful. And the students just, you know, hang on the edge of their seat for this because they're, they're seeing like the end result first and then, okay, how do we do that? And we had one student in particular, we had a couple that were actually doing, like actually creating businesses outside of this class. We had one student in particular 
who is very successful. She's in 11th grade. She'll be a senior this year. So she, in a, you know, maybe a month she'll be a senior, but um, she's a, she's an artist. Like she's a group. She was, we taught her like how to do a little bit of graphic design and she, you know, took the ball, ran with it and she was designing her own things. But what she designs, it's called swag. If anybody's not familiar, uh, swag is like companies like Facebook, Google, Microsoft, they all have stickers or t-shirts or things like that. And it's the logos that go onto those things. So it's not always the standard same logo. It could be something different or a phrase. And so this girl was creating swag and she was selling it to corporations. And by the end of the class, by the end of the cycle, she was operating in 15 States and she was also doing business in Canada. So she was global. That's incredible. uh, Yeah. (laughs) So so we were super excited for her. Um, And, you know, it was just such a cool thing. So ultimately what ended up happening is we kind of did this as a pilot course to say, to see like, what, what would it, what would it look like? And as I said, we had 52 students. We thought we were going to have 10, so we're five X over. And as soon as the course wrapped, the emails started coming in. When are you going to do it again? When can I get my son in? When can I get my daughter in? Um, So we're going to run it, I think, three more times this coming school year. And then we're also going to create, like we're in the process of creating other courses that are going to be similar project-based, although they'll have a different theme, but... Um, you know, same concept. And that's, that's kind of the, where we're moving now is those types of courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is so interesting to me, because like you mentioned, project based learning is also something that I'm really passionate about. Um, but I, I haven't heard of too many computer science teachers who are teaching CS through through this project based learning lens. Um, so I just think it's really neat that this is something that you're exploring and something that I've tried to do in my classroom with my um, K through five students, whenever I taught um, computer science this year, I really tried to teach it through a lens of social good uh, and looking at, um, you know, tying my curriculum to the UN sustainable development goals. So for example, with my fifth grade students, I teach them how to, um, you know, code drones to do transect mapping and to survey animal populations, or I teach them how you might um, use a Mars rover or create a robot and send it to Mars so that um, you can explore, explore, you know, uncharted territories. Uh, and so I really, I really liked this idea of giving my students, um, you know, something that they could visualize because this end result that you're talking about, I think is really important uh, to help students feel, you know, really passionate about the work that they're doing, but also to be able to understand how they can apply it to um, life outside of school. I think when I was going through the K through 12 school system, I think, you know, in high school so often I'd you know, complain and be like, when am I ever going to use this? Like it has no practical application. Uh, But I think what you're bringing to your high school students really shows that computer science has so many really valuable takeaways for a variety of different industries. Like for example, this, you know, the example that you gave about the swag, um, you know, designs and stuff, somebody who's interested in graphic design might not necessarily realize that they can do a lot related to, um, you know, they can they can take their business to the next level if they do have a computer science skill set. Um, so it's just really neat to hear that that's something that you are focusing on. And obviously, it's a big hit if um, so many so many more students are hoping to to take it in the future. Yeah, um, you know, and, and kind of um, you know, just to, just a thought here for the listeners is that um, I think that if you develop curriculum with standards in mind. I think you kind of handcuff yourself 
into a lot of creative, out of a, a lot of creativity. So what we, the approach that we have is we build the course first and then backfill it with standards. So we have this like big vision of what we want to do. And then, you know, once you're doing some things on a scale like that, it's very easy to backfill it. So, you know, if there's anybody listening that's, that's looking for new ideas or new things to do, I would say just come up with a concept and, you know, build the idea first and then, you know, backfill it with whatever you need to do to, to get it to go live. You know, maybe that's not the best advice. I don't know how anyone else operates, but like for me, it works great. No, I think that's a, I think that's a really great idea. And I think even more than that, it's so important to be listening to your students' interests. Um, I think what's really neat about what you're doing is that so many high school students are really interested in entrepreneurship and activism right now. I think that that generation of students just has this very deep passion for, um, you know, building, building businesses, you know, I think maybe this is largely because of social media, but there's this huge interest in, um, you know, starting, starting your own thing. Um, and then with activism too. So it's, it's neat that you're able to design a course that has standards embedded in it. Um, but is also something that kids are excited about outside of school. It's not just, um, you know, there's there's this element of passion that kids are able to bring to it because you're you're actually listening to their their voices and listening to and giving them this you know element of of choice too where they're able to explore projects that they that they care about right yeah you know and that brings me to another topic that you know i wanted to touch on here that i think is kind of interesting um when so i live in pittsburgh and i i live in pittsburgh now and this is where I was born and raised. And you know, I've, I've lived elsewhere throughout my life, but um, most recently I was in Cambridge, now I'm back here. But before I left for Cambridge, Pittsburgh is now becoming a big tech hub. So we have Facebook, we have Google. Um, I believe there's a Microsoft office here. And we had access to these folks when I was teaching. So when I was teaching in the middle school, um, I met a gentleman who works at Google and he invited me down to the headquarters and we did lunch and, you know, really nice guy. So we were talking about kind of like education and there's even, there's a lot of learning even when you leave the university to go work at these companies. So when I was meeting with my friend at Google, we were kind of talking about that. And I said, you know, if, if it's such a process for Google specifically, cause I was talking with him or any of these other companies, to try to go out and find talent based on their experience in university. And so you gotta go out and you gotta go fishing to find who performed the best. And then you have to evaluate like what kind of program they're coming from and maybe what kind of background because maybe one university emphasizes something more than another university or whatever. So you gotta, you gotta find your way through all those weeds to get the best talent on your team and industry. So I mentioned to him, I said, you know, where, why doesn't Google just create a college? You know, there's because like there are people, you get those folks that, that have never taken computer science, they come into college, they find computer science, they love it. And that's great. But then you have students that come out of high school knowing that that's what they want to do. And they, they don't necessarily want to be sidetracked with, um, you know, just other, other courses that are, they, they just want to take the computer science courses, they want to get out and they want to work. So our discussion was kind of like, you know, when is Google going to just create Google University, you're 18 years old, come 
come intern with us for a year and a half, two years, you're going to learn enough to get your feet wet and, and uh, get up and running. And then now you have this perfect prototype of an employee. And, and he kind of, he, we, we kind of like laughed it off as like, yeah, that's coming down the pipe. But I, I read that Oracle is now building, like they're spending some crazy number, like 60 million or $80 million to build a high school on one of their campuses. So the transition is really starting. And Wait, a high school? Yeah, I believe I believe that Oracle is building a high school wow. like, on Oracle's campus. I heard that like a year or two ago. That's wild. Um, yeah, and you know, like Google's offer, or not Google, Apple offers like all kinds of free like coding camps and things like that. So, you know, altogether, I just wonder what computer science education is gonna look like in the future and how that's gonna happen. and. You know, in particular, I, I mentioned this to you off camera, but there's a there's a university called 42, like 42, and it's this really it's really interesting thing where it's for it's for students that know that that's all they want to do is computer science. So you you graduate high school, you apply to 42, and if you're accepted, it's free. You don't have to pay to go there, and I believe there's a campus in Palo Alto and there's a campus in France, and they essentially send you a plane ticket and then you arrive. And once you arrive on campus, you find a desk and then that's your workstation. And it's all self-directed work. There's no professors, there's no, um, you know, you're not handing in assignments. You just, you work and you work your way through these puzzles and you learn uh, how to program. And and it's, it's a really fascinating thing because there's really no end to it. Like you don't get a degree from 42. What you do is you take a progressive set of courses that advance your skills in a certain direction. If you want to go web design, you want to go back end, whatever you want to do. And all of these companies, you know, the major companies out there, they track student progress. So once you get to a certain point at this university or you take a certain number of classes or unlock a certain number of uh, credentials, these companies will just start reaching out to you and saying, hey, do you want to come do this? Um, and now you're getting job offers. Ideas like this 42 University are really, um, you know, bringing to light a lot of the reasons why we do need to reimagine higher education. Um, I think it can be really hard for a lot of students to justify, um, you know, the the large amount of student loans and debt that can come with going to um, you know, a, a four-year university. Um, so it's it's interesting that there are these other examples that are emerging that are preparing students for, um, you know, careers in specific industries. And then it leads me to start thinking about all these questions of like, you know, maybe a little existential, but like, what is the purpose of higher education? And, um, you know, <laughs> all that, that big rabbit hole there. But, <laughs> um, you know, we say this in ed tech a lot, but so much of what we're doing is preparing students for jobs that don't even exist yet. Uh, and I think that that is, is, you know, in going to become increasingly more true as we get farther into the future. Yeah. I mean, the thing of the jobs that exist now, like if you would have told somebody 10 years ago that you were going to be an expert drone operator, <laughs> you, you, yeah. you probably would have had, you probably would have had no idea what they were talking about. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, drones, I don't know how long ago they were created, but yeah, I mean, you think about the things that we say now, like um, Facebook me or I'll see you on Zoom or just things that we say or things that we do that would, if you could go back 15 years, 
And if you could record a conversation of people today and take it 15 back 15 years, they'd be like, what is going on in the future? And it, it seems so weird because it's all normal to us now. Like we don't think anything of it because we saw we saw the evolution of it live, but like, could you imagine? Definitely. I know. I spend a lot of time, I think because I work with young children, I spend a lot of time sort of wrestling with this fact that I am a, you know, STEM teacher who incorporates screens in my classroom, but I also am very aware of some of the, you know, negative, you know, negative implications that come with too much screen time for young children. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about how in my role as a computer science teacher, I can help teach kids to build healthy relationships with technology. So, and I think that that's why I do a lot of this project, a lot of project-based learning in my classroom is because I want kids to you to understand the role of technology as a tool that they can use to create something really like wonderful and powerful, um, you know, rather as sort of this means for consumption. And so I think what you're saying about, um, you know, thinking about what the future of technology might look like in a lot of ways, it's much more important for us to be teaching kids um, and students skills like problem solving and creative thinking and critical thinking. Um, obviously right now, technical skills are really important in computer science. And I think long-term it will continue to be, um, you know, increasingly more important to be teaching students these quote unquote 21st century skills that we're always talking about. So before I end this episode, I like to ask everybody who I interview a series of questions. Um, so my first one that I want to ask you is, what advice do you have for teachers who are looking to incorporate more technology or um, you know, maybe even starting a computer science program at their school? Uh, what, what advice would you have for those teachers? Um, so I, I would say, like if you're, if you're starting computer science, you know, you're going to have to sit down with... Um, with your colleagues to see like what's plausible, but there's a lot of great resources out there. For example, um, you know, like code, code.org, Khan Academy, all these things are free resources. If you want to um, start teaching the elementary students, you can actually teach. Uh, there's a, there's a, if, if familiar with scratch or if not familiar, um, scratch is probably good for third grade and above, but there's a thing called scratch junior. And a friend of mine teaches kindergarten and he teaches kindergartners how to code using Scratch Junior because he doesn't teach them like the, the functions or um, he, he, he teaches them based on like code or color and pattern recognition. It's really wild. So the students don't even really get the logic behind it, but they're just getting basic usage. And, um, you know, that's a great starting point. And then, you know, you just kind of kind of figure out the roadmap from where you want. Now, one of the things that, that I, you know, I mentioned was that the eighth graders that had taken my class when they went to the ninth grade, they were much more advanced. So definitely keep that in mind. Like say, say you're in a situation where you have courses offered at the high school and then you, you want to build out like a middle school program. You know, you got to think about like the long view, how is this going to affect those other courses? Because, you know, the great thing about it is those ninth graders took all those upper level courses, but the not great thing about it was that by the time they were juniors, they didn't have any more courses to take. So they had mastered them all and they received all their certificates and, um, you know, passed the APA exam, the CSP exam. And then it was kind of like, what do we do with them now? So 
you know, if you're going to implement these things, you definitely have to think like long range, like what's, what can we add at the end? And a suggestion that I would have, I, I think that like every school should be teaching AR, VR and blockchain. Um, Cause that's where the future is going. And I mm -hmm. don't really see a lot of, I don't really see a lot of school districts that are, that are doing that. Now I, I do know that there are select schools, like there's, um, there's an advanced, um, magnate school in california that actually teach teaches high school kids an entire course just on compilers if you can believe that wow yeah i mean talk about like sign me up and don't give me any coffee right <laughs> <laughs> like you know but, uh, <laughs> see how long i can stay awake but um yeah so if you're if you're looking for like the next best thing that's going to move you down the line. Like even if you're a high school teacher and you're looking for exploratory things like AR, VR, blockchain, and, you know, without letting the cat out of the bag, I, I, um, you know, I've told you about this, Maddie, but there's, there are folks that I work with that are doing significant things. And all I can tell you is that they're the, this group of, of people are doing something with AR, VR right now that in five years we're thinking, is going to change the entire world and the way that we use um, use technology. So, my advice would be teach and learn as much AR VR capabilities as you can because there's going to be a lot of opportunity um, down the road. Totally, and I fully believe that any team you are on is going to be doing really great things. For those who are interested in um, AR and VR, I'd really recommend checking out Jeremy Balinson's work. He has a book, I believe it's called Experience on Demand. Um, he's sort of the big VR guy at Stanford um, who does a lot related to VR in athletics and VR in education. Um, so I, all in the episode uh, transcription, I'll be sure to include a link to his book for those of you who want to check it out. But he's a really great place to start if you aren't too familiar with AR and VR, but uh, want to learn more about its application. Yeah, it's called, I just looked it up. It's called Experience On Demand. You are correct. Perfect. I'm actually, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to get that book. I don't, I don't have that book. Oh, you should. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, I took some courses from him and under, we could talk about it later, but he's a really great guy. <laughs> um, so which brings me to, uh, how do you stay up to date on, um, you know, education technology news? Uh, do you like to read books? Do you like to listen to podcasts? How do you learn more? Um, you know, is it through interacting with people? How do you stay up to date on ed tech and computer science news? You know, that's kind of like, that's again, where I feel extremely fortunate to be in the position that I am because I, I do, um, I'm blessed with the fact that like pretty much all the people that I talk to every day are people that are out in industry or educators and computer science. And so I'm, I'm constantly having this discussion. It's literally like from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I'm talking to people about furthering computer science education or the technologies themselves or things out in industry so um in that regard like that's i like i wish that i could pass that knowledge on to you all um you know and like i said i feel blessed for that but aside aside from that i mean general publications and you know the, the tough thing about computer science education uh, as far as like cutting edge um you know, I think that folks like you and I and your listeners 
that want to be, I think, I think that like we need to be the ones that are pushing the envelope and we need to be the ones that are telling others like, Hey, this is where it's going. Um, you know, so, if, and I, I think that's like probably a, a bit of good advice. Like those of you that are, that are listening to this, you know, don't feel like you have to kind of like hang out and hope that you get information elsewhere. Like if you, if you want to be the one to pump the information, like go out and, and learn as much as you can and, and get on things like this. Cause this, this is kind of like uncharted territory. Cause you, you think about the things that you and I are talking about or the things that we've learned in, at the ed school um, or what we've done just in practice. And then think about computer science education when you were in high school and it was just like a standard, you show up, there's a textbook, you learn Java or something. And then, but like now, like, you know, we're seeing these things that are the way that it's evolving and the cool things that's happening. And how can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about your work or they want to chat with you? Yeah. So my LinkedIn page is up. Um, It's not too glorious. I don't know. I just kind of like slapped it together, but you can, (laughs) (laughs) I guess you can message me. Um, You know, it's just Greg Mitleider when you Google LinkedIn. Um, I'll be sure to put a link to your LinkedIn in this episode description so that people can find it um, easily. Um, Well, that's all I have prepared today. Is there any last things that you want to share before we wrap up? No, I just, I, like, I, I am super excited about this. I love computer science education. I hope that everybody listening does as well. And to me, it's infectious. The more that I get involved, the more that I want to do. And I hope that you all share the same passion. Um, you know, obviously you do Maddie, um, and the folks that we surround ourselves with do as well. So we're fortunate on that side, but, um, yeah, just, I, I hope that everybody shares this, this excitement and, um, again, reach out to me if I can be of any assistance. You guys, I had a blast recording with Greg today. If you liked this episode, be sure to give me a rating, write a review, throw me some love. It helps new podcasters like me so much, and I literally freak out every single time I get feedback from you guys. Let's learn and grow together as 21st century educators. Let's be friends, and I'll see you back here next week on Tech Tuesday. Bye, friends.